Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Welcome to Range of Strength Podcast. I'm Lucas Aaron, your host as always, and we are on episode 33 now. So... Um, not bringing any guests on today. I thought, you know, this would be a great opportunity in this episode, uh, with a lot of the recent things I've been doing on the new platform with regards to the basics to just spend some time, uh, walking you through the basics (laughs) and, you know, what the basics are to me, uh, how I came to find these basics and, give you some perspectives uh, hopefully that will help you on your own journey to pursuing the answers you're looking for, uh, for improving your movement capacity to whatever extent that feels you want to be moving towards. But, you know, just to know that there are answers to the questions you're looking for, how you can improve your flexibility. And, and I've been on that journey to, uh, figure that out for myself. It's been a long journey, but uh, a lot of lessons learned. And I'm going to be sharing some of those lessons today in this episode as I just discuss the basics. Uh, And really, you know, my journey did lead me to further pursuing greater expressions of range. But ultimately, the goal was to better understand how to approach flexibility in such a way that it leads to an outcome of improved flexibility, specifically for, you know, adults and and individuals who feel like they're at a loss for improving flexibility. It's some kind of genetic uh, gifted thing that you're born with or what have you. Um, But that was ultimately what was my goal was to get these answers. How can we define the basic approach to improving flexibility, not just addressing flexibility in a way where, you know, you're stretching uh, to cool down in a workout because it's a component of fitness that, you know, you have to do, even though you don't know why you're doing it or how you're doing it. And it's not really leading you towards a goal of improving your flexibility. Um, Ultimately, that's what my goal was to find out what are the basics. And I've said this in other podcast episodes in the past, you know, like the, the gap is that it is too one-sided, right? It's either just that basic um, cool down approach where we're trying to suit the need of a balanced fitness regime, or it's the complete other end of the spectrum where it's the extreme ends of range, flexibility at splits and bends and all these freaky things. So um, I'm going to spend some time today uh, walking you through the basic components that I think should be considered and prioritized at all levels of of flexibility and fitness. So 
if you find yourself on a higher level of flexibility, I think it's important to have these basic fundamentals in your back pocket as a way to kind of check yourself and make sure that maybe you get yourself to a certain point where you don't, I guess, take your flexibility as seriously as you did to get there. These are things I've experienced as well too. Um, you know, reaching pretty high levels of flexibility in certain areas, you kind of ease off and stop training those things as hard and realize that you have to come back and start reapplying some of these basic concepts and recondition yourself again to stay healthy. Because ultimately, we want that fine balance of passive and active flexibility, strength, and passive range positions. Like we want, there needs to be a balance there. So I think it's important, whatever level you're at, to really take, you know, these components of the basics that I talk about today that, you know, I've learned on my own journey and, and keep those in your back pocket, something to consider on along the way. So I'm going to get into six main components. And I'm going to talk about how, you know, they affected me on my own journey, why I value them so much, and uh, how I've used them to help a lot of other people's gain better understanding of how to approach their flexibility journey in, in a way that moves them towards success and seeing benefits. So without further ado, uh, you know, we'll see how long I get into this little discussion, but, uh, you know, maybe grab yourself a snack and a cup of joe and let's get ready to dive deeper into the basics. So first component that I would like to talk about um, I've really just come to uh, just term this, I just call it groundfulness. And to me, groundfulness would be uh, one's ability to move freely in a variety of ways in kneeling and seated positions on the ground. So can you sit comfortably on the ground? Can you kneel down on your heels? Can you sit cross-legged? Can you can you be in a resting position? Um, this is something that I personally lost at some point along the way, just not something I knew how to address either, but I did have some knee injuries through uh, my young career in sport and rugby and uh, getting into powerlifting. I, I, I didn't really address that as like a component of flexibility, like trying to improve my ability to sit comfortably on the ground. Like I just, we didn't address that. And it was one of those things for me where I just, I thought it was just something I wasn't going to have. And I thought it was just associated with, you know, my knee injury from the past. And um, that's just kind of the way it was. Like I couldn't sit comfortably on my heels in what we would call a Seiza position, for example, on the ground. So my journey in flexibility led me to better understanding how to approach improving this. And through my journey, uh, the realization was that, you know, the approach to improving your capacity to sit on the ground and, and be in these grounded uh, postural positions wasn't necessarily just about approaching that one thing and doing that you know, spend that time in those positions, but rather it should be an outcome of a properly 
prescribed flexibility workout or program. So I actually approach these uh, seated postural positions more so as a baseline for marking improvements over time. So if someone can't sit cross-legged on the ground, I'm not going to just be forcing them in cross-legged positions all the time. and There won't be any outcome from that, but rather with the right balanced approach to addressing the hip function and the flexibility surrounding these areas, we use these positions as a baseline and they're more of like a check-in. Over time, myself included, through the proper training regime, you'll notice that these positions improve. Your heels get uh, your glutes get closer to your heels and say uh, your uh, seated tailors posture, uh, your knees get closer to the floor, you can sit cross legs. So um, approaching it in that way, groundfulness should be an outcome from a well-designed approach to flexibility training. I will say that there's one book uh, that uh, recently has really illustrated this well, if you're looking to read up more about the qualities of this uh, muscles and meridians through their archetypal postures model, um, which, you know, through what they write, you know, it's evident in our evolutionary history um, that up until the invention of the chair or the couch or sofa, um, that these postures were a way for us to live and to be at rest. And it's more of a whole organism approach to the muscle skeletal system and anatomy. So um, that would be a book that I do recommend you um, getting and just and having a better understanding of these postures and what it really entails to actually be in seated positions. So it's a forgotten thing. But this book actually illustrates it quite well and how it can apply to everyday life. Ultimately, uh, one tip that I can provide of obviously being on a, a good flexibility program would also be that you can create good habits um, with something as simple as groundfulness and consider, you know, just spending five to 10 minutes a day connecting with the ground. You know, you don't have to be strict about the positions. The positions can just be like seated comfortably. You can even use a wall, sit, sit with your back against the wall, just learn to be on the ground again. And through time, monitor the success or the um, quality of your time spent on the ground through your training, through properly training. So that is component number one. I didn't I ran it too long on that one, kept it pretty short and simple, but that's the groundfulness piece for sure. Uh, component two of the basics is capsule strength. And when I say capsule, I'm speaking specifically about the shoulder and hip. And if you've gotten into mobility or flexibility training, uh, and try to filter through the qualities of it and where you should look. This is one that's definitely uh, more highlighted um, recently than, you know, most things traditionally, you know, the hamstrings was always like the big thing, but now it's like the, the capsule strength of your shoulder and hip, your ability to articulate it uh, in a three-dimensional capacity because the capsule 
flexes and extends and it rotates. And we've gotten away from, well, quality movement in general, today's society, but learning how to actually move the, the hip and shoulder capsule at its full capacity, like to actually rotate, um, to improve the flexion and extension. So when it does come to capsule strength, what I have noticed is a very common theme. And a lot of people come to me with this as like, they're lost, um, getting stuck in isolation of this concept. This is very common now because it's become so popularized that we have to address the shoulder and hip capsule at full capacity and three-dimensional capacities of flexion, extension, and rotation that we get stuck in this isolation model. Like we're spending an exuberant amount of time focusing on the capsule's ability to rotate, uh, to extend, to flex, to create space. And there is value in understanding that first before pursuing more advanced things. But I believe that as soon as you do start understanding the concepts of your capsule's ability to move, to create better space for your capsule, that what you should start seeking is the function and integration of these concepts. I've always been one to seek out disciplines or yeah, I guess you could say disciplines like sports, maybe different approaches or things like that, that require the demand of these things that we need. So the demand for us to have a really strong articulation of the shoulder capsule uh, and an ability to address that to a degree where we can really use these concepts from this type of discipline in our own practice in many, many different ways and forms. Same with the, the hip. So the two disciplines that I dove deep into to get a better understanding of this was hand balancing for the shoulder and martial arts for the hip. And if you seek out some, you know, you don't have to dive too, too deep into these disciplines to take away the basics. And, you know, even at a high level, uh, athletes are people that participate in these disciplines, they are quite good at the basics. It's really ingrained in them for the rest of their lives. Um, if you really just start exploring these two things, you'll learn right away that at that basic entry point level, you need to have very good understanding of how the shoulder works in a handstand and how the hips work in a kick. So these static stances, uh, for example, static split stances for kicking, um, these static positions for handstand and the drills to understand like how your shoulder should function and be and how much flexibility you need to actually do that. I think that's something that would be a, a way for you to break the isolation of just working your capsule strength without actually creating function to that. So those would be two things that I think if you just explore some of those basic entry points, uh, you can get a better understanding of how your shoulder for the long term can function in a way that can be expressed in many different strengths.
So in my programming, you'll always see uh, some forms of like handstand, hand balancing practices brought in to address shoulder mobility. Yes, it's valuable to learn. Like, I think it's a good goal to learn to do a handstand, but I think that even just keeping those ideas and concepts in your training, learning what it means to actually have an open shoulder, um, learning what it means to have the shoulders open and protracted in such a way that you could be strong on your hands, but knowing how to do that without even being on your hands is just a very uh, productive way to improve the capsule strength of your shoulder. Um, the capacity you need to express this requires you to have good external rotation, internal rotation, um, and martial arts. So, so when we're thinking about, if you want to learn how to do a sidekick, uh, you need to learn how to do that statically before you learn how to do it dynamically. So thinking about, again, moving away from the isolation model and actually learning how to integrate the concept of the hip capsule and like how it is going to produce force, how it's meant to be positioned and how we can produce the full function of both legs working together to best produce that, that expression of full capsule rotation. Um, I think that's the direction that a lot of people need to explore. And I've been helping a lot of people explore that and breaking away from not seeing progress. So I need to see progress, right? Like that's one thing that we need to see if we're trying to improve our flexibility is like, how am I actually measuring the success of my shoulder and hip capsule? It's like, yeah, well, reducing pain is one thing. Uh, once we've reduced the pain, how are we seeing the function improve? So think about that, um, where you can actually look at disciplines that express and offer the type of capsule strength that will pay off for the long haul for you. So hands, hand balancing, the hand balancing world, they offer such great information and um, work towards shoulder capsule strength. Uh, the martial arts world, if we look at some of the basic entry points of martial arts, and then for me, all of like my great, greatest mentors and people I've learned from usually have a very significant background in martial arts. That's one thing that I've learned that I, you know, if I could go back and had learned some of these things along the way, um, I would have, you know, I would have joined martial arts as a kid to understand some of these expressions of strength and maybe had the opportunity to uh, work my flexibility a bit harder in different ways. That being said, a lot of individuals that train martial arts are finding themselves stuck in not addressing other areas of their flexibility. So it's kind of, again, don't limit yourself, but rather look to where that you see success in other trainings. And that's always what I try to bring into my coaching practice is, okay, is something I'm learning from this going to benefit my practice and help me improve my flexibility or help me improve the end state or goal. So don't be wary to stray off and look for these things. So capsule strengths, number two. Um, and now, you know, at the end of this podcast, I'll talk a little bit about 
how we can kind of standardize some of these things. There were some things that like, I like to consider good standards of expression in these components, uh, how we might work towards that. Um, number three, trunk flexibility. And specifically, when I think about trunk flexibility, um, thinking about the ability for our abdominal wall to stretch and extend. And through that, the posterior chain to stabilize and support that structure. This is often viewed as something that is very extreme. You don't want to bend your back or extend backwards. It's like we want to avoid that. To me, this is the, the exact same um, kind of mindset as don't bring your knees over your toes. Well, if you don't bring your knees over your toes, your knees are going to get worse. Like <laughs> it's a movement capacity that has to happen. What's wrong or what's happening is that there just aren't any entry points for learning how to improve the range of your trunk, the flexibility of your trunk, like how there's no progressive model for that. Again, all we see is a clinical setting of someone with a bad back gets injured, learning how to be in like a sphinx pose or a cobra pose, um, or the other extreme where it's like a contortionist who can bend and do all these back bridges really well. So there's no in-betweens there for us to actually get a better understanding of the function. And specifically, the function is looking at how the abdominal wall and the hip flexors and the shoulder girdle all extend and move in unison. And how can we learn to do that in such a way that moves us towards seeing progress there? It all moves together. Our body is designed to bend. Um, and back bridging is a, it's really like a lost art, a lost exercise. Um, you know, ancient Shaolin, like that everyone did back bends. It was like a daily practice bending the back and reaching and stretching. And obviously this is a different world where we didn't have the convenience of luxuries that we have today that a lot of times prevent us from moving the body and thinking about how we can move in better capacities. The movement was basically our daily living model. So my journey with back bridging was one of the hardest for sure. And it's still a practice for me that you know, it's, it's one of the ones that I still have to put a lot of work into because like I notice right away that when I'm not practicing it to the ability that I know I can, I feel my body carrying tension in a way that it doesn't usually carry tension. So for the trunk flexibility, what we really need to start um, approaching and thinking about are the pieces. So there's pieces there. So again, understanding shoulder capacity, capsule strength of the shoulder, how the shoulder is supposed to function, understanding how we are supposed to bend the trunk and extend the trunk, understanding the hip flexors, how the hip flexors need to be addressed, how we need to open the hip flexors and learning how to bring these pieces together. Through that, you can find a lot of freedom in your postural awareness. So I have found, again, someone that has 
a more extensive background in strength sports, powerlifting, the back bridging work really brought the strength in my upper back and the fine muscles in my upper back up to a standard that I just never was able to reach before with basic prescriptions or clinical setting prescriptions of, you know, activating your traps or your rhomboids or, you know, trying to improve these deficits. For me, the back bridge carried those things to a level that I just never thought was attainable. And many of the people that I have helped and have had success through improving trunk flexibility, improving the ability to bend and back bridge have noticed the same thing. They have find this new strength in the upper back and freedom that they've never felt before. Lower back, a lot of freedom found in lower back stiffness and pain because now our trunk was confined to this position of being flexed and restricted is now open and it can move freely. The second piece that I would add to the trunk flexibility is the ability to laterally flex. So again, this is something that is more avoided. I do feel kind of fortunate in my background that we, we did train when I think back to powerlifting in those days. Um, and even in sport, when we had some uh, team training environments, like we trained side bending, we, we would do like the, the old school dumbbell uh, side bends. So we were just learning to bend and train the obliques and strengthen the obliques. So I feel like that was always ingrained in me. Um, but we can, we can do so much more with that. And again, learning to side bend with heavy load is not the entry point for most of us that need to learn to improve our lateral flexibility. Improving lateral trunk flexibility can do so much as well for thinking about how we're freeing up the pelvis to move. Um, again, we're thinking about the capsule, uh, hip capsule strength. If we don't have lateral flexibility being addressed, we won't be able to find certain rotational capacities of the hip um, because we will get blocked. Everything's connected. So the obliques, uh, TFL, like QLs, like all of this is going to help us find more freedom overall. So with the trunk flexibility under that component, uh, we need to learn how to laterally bend. And there's a lot of great stuff if you look for it um, that'll lead you to those points of learning how to laterally bend with strength and express that in a very strong way. Fourth component of the basics, I term it just as folding strength. So this would be probably now more counter to trunk flexibility, where the focus becomes more about the extension ability of the trunk moving into bends, uh, back bridges, and different progressions like that, to now learning how to actually fold the trunk forward obviously through the range provided in the posterior lines of the body, the lower body, while simultaneously learning to showcase this through the compression strength of our anterior lines in the front body. So if you've learned how to fold through a yoga practice, you probably haven't learned how to fold with strength. <laughs> Learn how to passively fold. And this can be a barrier. Like this was also 
case in point for me, um, where I, I did start taking yoga practice as a means of like trying to understand how to get more flexible and learning how to fold in yoga versus learning how to fold with strength through studying gymnastics and, and other components was totally different. And this is the missing link for a lot of people is learning how to fold with strength. And, you know, the effectiveness of moving through flexion, learning how to effectively roll your spine and address the flexibility of your low back, that is, yes, your low back needs to be flexible. And this is the thing is, you know, you may be stuck in extension or flexion here of the low back, but what we want to get ourselves to is to a point where we're able to articulate between the two. So we can tilt the pelvis freely into an anterior and posterior tilt while we're folding. And we find freedom through the entire post chain of the body. We find strength. Now folding strength. Um, I mean, entry point levels here. So we can think about standing and touching your toes. So, I mean, there's a couple of different names for this, but primarily like if you follow my stuff and a lot of the other individuals that I talk quite highly about, like, you know, it's a pike. We're thinking about a pike stretch, a pike fold is an expression of folding strength, executing a pike fold really well. Um, we can even think about the seated pike positions, uh, straddle positions as well. The pancake splits would be an expression of folding strength. So these are milestones that I'm talking about is like, we do want to think about those milestones, which I will summarize some milestones at the end of the episode of this, you know, discussion about some things I think that you should work towards. Um, the Jefferson curl, very common popularized exercise. Now this is a folding strength exercise. So it creates balance. Um, I want you to think about these basic components as coming together to create the whole, not training one outside of the other, but training all of them to come together and to create the whole. So, the folding strength component can be broken down and categorized in a lot of different ways, but it is one of those pieces that should be there to create balance and nice structure in our flexibility training. Where are we on? We are on the fifth component. So five of six. And uh, the fifth component of the basics are the, the two fundamental stances. And with the fundamental stance, uh, we're, what we're looking to take a closer look at is the foundation of the squat and the lunge pattern. And we want to think about the squat and lunge pattern in terms of expressing it in a more outer range position with the quality attributes of the hip complex. So the squat, as we move into outer ranges of the squats, we start to really express the hips more in abduction and external rotation. Um, and as we start to move the lunge into that wider stance, we are now expressing strength in the lower body through hip flexion and extension in a sagittal plane. These two fundamental stances um, we're looking specifically at 
And if you follow me, you know, you've seen me post these stances, the long lunge stance and the horse riding stance. And these are, they, they can be static. They can be, we can prescribe them dynamically. There are many progressions in these stances that can really help us. We can train these stances for a very long time. And what we're specifically looking for here is to train these stances to a degree of motion that we can express with strength. So um, I like to think more along the lines, just with my own experience in these stances, um, if we're learning to get into the furthest position to express a degree of motion that is around the realm of like, Alignment is one thing. So we can think about hip and knee alignment in horse riding stance. Um, most people I've worked with, if they don't have any um, conditions that would prevent us from going a lot further beyond this, can get themselves to a really nice 160 degree stance in long lunge and horse stance. Even 150 is a really good standard as well. And then, of course, the degree to which you express this um, what kind of timelines are we looking for here? We want to think about, you know, owning the position, um, being able to hold them hands-free 30 seconds, up to 60 minutes. Horse stance can be held for quite a bit longer, loading the positions as well. To what degree of body weight can you load the position and express the range? Fundamental stance is one component that you really want to um, have in your training have it there on a regular basis. Even if you've gone away from conditioning your flexibility, maybe you've got yourself really flexible. Training stance has brought me back a couple of times when, you know, life got busy. I, I didn't train my flexibility as hard. I maintained some passive range quite easily, but then when I had to start conditioning and getting my strength back up, coming back to these basic fundamental stances, makes it very simple and easy for you to express strength through your outer range. Um, there's the two planes of motion that we wanna be considering the most. And even horse stance being more valuable in my opinion, because it's a, if you think about the frontal plane, it is the plane that we don't use. Um, and for the most part is what we need the most. Uh, I've talked in previous episodes about the importance of side split and, you know, it really comes down to the importance of flexibility in the frontal plane because no one trains it. So, you know, think about your adductors and your hip abductors and your glutes and, and having addressing your flexibility in that capacity um, as it being important. Like that's why I think everyone should train splits but I don't have to necessarily categorize it as splits to intimidate a larger audience, but rather say, you know, using some of these basic principles, components of flexibility, we can better address the frontal plane. One book that uh, Emmett Lewis has recommended, and it's definitely worth getting the secret methods of acquiring external and internal mastery. Um, that's a book that you should all have. And, you know, it's Shaolin, uh, philosophies and very old, old, uh, manuscripts from how they would address physical training and fundamental stance was trained heavily and hard every day. 
and it was actually a prerequisite to, to actually the softer side of training. So learning to actually, you know, get into splits and get into these long ranges and learn to be soft. You had to learn to train these stances hard first. So it's a really great reference as well to probably just have and uh, look into, but uh, fundamental stance, you can never have enough time here. And it's definitely one that you should always be working towards or have there in some way, shape or capacity, or it can always bring you back to um, a certain strength. Like if you've got away from flexibility training, I would say these two stances are the stances that I would have in every program, no matter what we were doing, if it was a strength program and then we weren't even focusing on flexibility, I would probably still have some long lunge work and some horse stance work there just to make sure we're maintaining these capacities. So fundamental stance number five. <clears throat> and uh, last one um, is one that uh, my time spent working with the military was where this really came to um, fruition for me of like a component of just, I guess, fitness in general, that is something that we need to take more seriously. And is again, it's a very lost strength, something that doesn't get trained anymore and people don't really take seriously. And the reason being in the military, one of the most uh, common injuries, the highest rate of injury came from the elbow and bicep during time spent in selection camps. And uh, that was primarily due to poor grip strength. And the grip strength was related to grip strength applied in a hanging position. So the common theme there was that the ratio of grip strength um, to body weight, I think it was like plus or minus 10 or 20 kilos. Um, if, if they didn't pass that number, they were more um, susceptible and common. They would be getting these injuries, bicep and elbow injuries. So that was in the military when I was working. One of the tests that we always took very seriously was just a hanging test. So if someone was preparing for selection camp, we would often just test them on the hang first. And it would, it would probably surprise you uh, listening right now to know that like a lot of these very fit individuals couldn't hang onto a bar for 60 seconds, which was very surprising to me. It was a very lost ability. They didn't, they just never trained it. They never trained hanging on the bar. And if they did, it was to do pull-ups to the extreme. Like they, they just didn't have that fundamental grip strength in a hanging position. There's so many other benefits to hanging. Um, I mean, number one, it's just super, super simple. So again, if a lot of times we really make this difficult for ourselves because we overthink what we need to do. But if you just start hanging on a bar, start with your feet supported, actually learn to understand how your shoulders are articulated in a hanging position so they can elevate fully and express that full range of motion in your lats. They can depress fully as well and move the shoulders as far away from the ears as you can and express all of that strength in the upper back musculature. And you can build your grip strength at the same time. So hanging strength, you know, 
it's debatable. Like some people, you know, will say like, you don't really need to do hanging strength, but you need to train your grip strength to some capacity. And again, if it's something you don't have um, a lot of equipment access to, and you don't want to overly complicate it, it's just as simple as getting on a bar and hanging. So um, decompressing the spine has many benefits to that too. Like just hanging on a bar, you can find that you can de really decompress your low back uh, and you can find a lot of freedom in just carrying regular everyday resting tension. So those, <clears throat> if you're still with me, are the six components of the basics that I, I carry into the basics program. So the basics program is really broken into um, working on like becoming really sound at these basic components, like learning how to structure them into your training, how to actually work towards seeking improvements in these areas, which is where if you think back now to those six components I talked about, groundfulness, capsule strength, um, what was the third one again? <laughs> the trunk flexibility, folding strength, fundamental stance, and hanging strength. Probably more than half of those aren't even trained by most people. I would say the last, well, half of them, at least, you don't see people training those things. So number one, like, what if you did, like, what if you actually just started working on the things that you don't work on? What if you worked on your trunk flexibility? What do you think is going to happen? What if you worked on your ability to fold with strength? What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> this was all a realization for me over the time, right? Was, that was really the journey I took, put myself on. I started doing all of the things that I wasn't doing. Like I wasn't doing, I wasn't training trunk flexibility. Well, what if I did? Or what if I looked at like what these people were doing and I started doing that more? What if I started folding? What if I started rounding my back? What would that do for me? So these are things that, you know, you can find this stuff on my platform. So you can reach out to me if you've listened to this and you want to talk more about what the basics are and maybe you have used them, but maybe not to the capacity where you're seeing results. So I'm always open to chat a little bit more about that. Um, just research these things. If you haven't really looked into these six components as deeply as you feel like you could have, look into it more. Maybe you're stuck in isolation on capsule strength. You're just like really not getting freed up there. You're not seeing any freedom in your back. You're not really getting transferability there. Like, I don't know how many people I know now that have spent so much time improving capsule space and capsule strength, but still can't squat with a barbell. And they still haven't like learned to apply different movements to that. So I challenge you to seek disciplines that express what you need. Like, what do you need? I need more shoulder capsule strength and ability. Look at what hand balancers are doing. You don't even have to learn how to do a handstand. You can just take the entry-level drills of the shoulders 
and the capacities to which it needs to be expressed. And you can make crazy progress in your shoulders just by applying the concepts that they're using to learn how to do a handstand. Look into martial arts. Look into what it takes to actually perform a side kick or some of these kicks in general. They're always, if you go to a good practice, you always have to learn how to hold these positions statically first, which is, that's hard stuff. Most people can't stand on one leg. So if you just think about progressing yourself towards being able to perform a standing uh, kick position statically, you're going to make crazy progress, crazy progress on your capsule strength in your hips. You need to have milestones. You need to know what you're working towards. And, you know, this is where, again, there are missing pieces to the flexibility journey for a lot of people. Because as soon as you think about milestones, you think about the extreme splits. I'm going to train to get the splits. It's a great goal. I didn't even think I was going to be training towards that until I actually started having breakthroughs in some of these basics. And I was like, oh, I actually could train to get the splits. So we should be thinking a little bit more on a regress scale of what we should be working towards. So some milestones that I take very seriously, and I would expect you to own before I take you really far on a splits journey. And these milestones are on a splits journey. So it's not that you can't train for splits. It's just that on the way to doing that, this should be the focus before we think we're going to be in split positions all the time. So you should be able to do a palms the floor pike. You should be able to wake up and palm the floor and feel quite comfortably uh, reaching down and having good folding strength. We should be feeling like we can sit comfortably on the ground. Okay. So look up some of these postural positions on the ground, look up muscles and meridians. It really lays out a lot of them really well, but we should be able to, you know, sit in a seiza position comfortably or uh, cross box, cross leg type position. We should be able to hang onto a bar passively for 60 seconds. I think that's a really good goal for a lot of people. And if you can hit that, why not? move into an active position or one arm position. The greatest expression on the hang in terms of flexibility and range of motion is the German hang. So you can think along a timeline of like, you could work your uh, hanging flexibility and strength to a point where you're progressively getting better and better. But some of those basic milestones guys, like you should be able to hang onto a bar for 60 seconds. Like, <laughs> You know, why are we trying to do bodyweight overhead presses and then our shoulders are all smashed up if we can't even hang onto a bar for 60 seconds? So, you know, this is about balance, right? Making sure you take care of some of these basic things first. Trunk flexibility. There's a few there. Like I do, I think that, you know, we are all capable of getting into an elevated back bridge with a straight arm. I think that is... A really good goal, a vertical arm, elevated bridge. You can find a lot of freedom there. And if you do get to that point, a lot of other doors will open for you. Even more regressed than that, though, I would want you to think about like a half bridge position, seeing progress and how your trunk actually extends. This is something that's just not ever measured. Like People aren't measuring that. So a half bridge position, it very much is like a glute bridge, 
but it's expressed with a high degree of trunk extension and hip extension. And this would be a really smart uh, first obtainable target for a lot of people is working towards hands grabbing the feet and finding a really nice arc and understanding the trunk needs to bend. And that can be done through other prescription of exercises, um, like the uh, range strength setup is a good one where we're learning to peel away from the wall and actually in a kneeling position, roll our spine all the way down and really move that trunk into extension. Fundamental stances. You know, I, there are standards there that I think are very obtainable to work towards. A three-step horse stance, like I said earlier, about 160, 150 degrees for two minutes. That's a very obtainable target. It's not super easy, but it gives you something to really work towards. And for even a lot of people that are training for splits hard, that's actually always like a nice step back. They step back and they realize that I don't even have a nice strong horse stance. And the horse stance itself allows you to really articulate what we're doing with the pelvis, how we're tilting the pelvis and flexing the hips. And we're taking care of that hip structure first before we look to really focus on just the splits. Long lunge, about the same degree. Like if we're hitting about 160, 150 degrees on a long lunge position, we're in a really good place. That may take you a bit longer, but again, it gives you a target to work towards for a longer period of time. Um, those are some basic milestones, guys, that, you know, I think you very attainable. If you have a clear path laid out, um, you can really work towards these goals. But these are basics, and they're not clearly laid out for a lot of us out there to know how to categorize our flexibility training in a way that moves us towards a specific outcome. And the outcome that we're all looking for is degrees of freedom and more range of motion and movement freedom, more flexibility. So take that with you today and, you know, send me questions, you know, let, let me know what you think about these basic principles. Have they helped you? Um, is this the first time that you're kind of thinking about categorizing things like that? And, uh, you know, let me know your thoughts. That's it for today, guys. Thanks for sitting down, chatting with me. Um, and I look forward to having a guest on next. Uh, we'll definitely maybe get the fellowship put together again and have a little chat. Uh, but yeah, thanks for spending some time chatting about the basics with me. And uh, if you have any questions, again, just reach out. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.